Blog Talk Radio. You know, many of us contemplate questions about life on the other side. Is there life after death? Can we communicate with those who have crossed over? Do they communicate with us? What experiences are they having? 
there are some who are quite capable of communicating with people on the other side, and they're here to provide answers to those questions. And tonight we'll be discussing all of this, so stay tuned to learn more. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Tim Braun, an internationally renowned medium who has conducted over 14,000 sittings over the past 20 years. He currently lives in Orange County, is a graduate of the University of Southern California, has been embraced by Hollywood celebrities, high-profile athletes, and international corporate leaders. He has appeared on television in Bravo's The Orange County Housewives and the TLC network television show Sin City Rules. He has been interviewed on CBS Radio Sundays with Rolanda, the Mary Lou Henner Radio Show, the MTV Movie Award, and he has been featured in Awareness Magazine. We are so very fortunate because, yes, he is joining us now to share insights and answer common questions asked by many of us. So welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you for joining us. How are you being? Thank you, T, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I was looking forward to this all day. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> well, maybe that's because you knew something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always look forward to the radio shows. But yes, um, you know, I was looking forward to your show. I, after ten years of having the book in my mind, people kept on saying, "When are you going to write the book, Tim? When are you going to write the book?" And I'm like, "I'll get to it. I'll get to it." And I just, you know, I really like doing my sittings at my office. I do them four days a week, and I just really, really enjoy doing them. Also, my 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 live shows. I just to mention, I have a, another live show. Um, for Paula Casino. It's the fourth Paula Casino show within a year, and that's in January. And I look forward to doing those as well. But, you know, finally, um, people are telling me, you know, you've got to write down everything about the healing, about managing grief, about healing grief to help as many people as possible. So I finally, you know, one day I just sat at my desk and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And it was almost like I was um, like um, an addict constantly being a work addict, just going, going, going. And it finally came out about three months later. I put it down on paper and we got it out. And you know, T, it's amazing. It got into a couple of people's hands and they were like, wow, this book is amazing. And since then, I've gotten four New York Times bestselling authors to endorse the book. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, your book ahead. is just so... It, your book is just so unique. It's so different. I've had so many people say people do not know how to deal with death. They do not know how to get through the grieving process when they're the ones that are grieving. And mm -hmm. people who meet the grieving person, friends of the grieving person, don't know how to handle it. They don't know what mm -hmm. to say or what to do. And your book, Life and Death, is the name of the book, Life and Death, A Medium's Messages to Help You Overcome Grief and Find Closure. This book is really quite unique in that well, let's face it, most books on grief are the typical psychological science-y type of stuff. You know, this is what you're going to go through. You need to feel into it. Allow yourself time to heal. All wounds heal in time. But yours is much more. It, it's more of a guide, if you will. It, it, it really, because of the fact that you are, you've received messages from the other side, it brings in a tremendous amount of comfort, you know, because you share mm -hmm. such 
such wonderful wisdom with people, and you really mm-hmm. are teaching people about the true healing power of unconditional love, and you provide yes. a profound. Thank you, and that was a, a what roadmap. was my main yeah. intention. Yeah, that was my main main intention about writing the book. So thank you very much for for captivating that for yourself and for the audience. But that was my main intention, and that's why going back four or five years ago, I didn't write the book then because you know there are other um, books on mediumship and um, books on the subject out there in the bookstores, and I'm. I was telling my friends, I'm like, I don't want to, you know, be be like be, be like them. I want to really get into the healing, the grief. I really want about managing uh, managing the communication from the other side. And so finally, when we wrote the book um, and we got this pushed out, um, we have put this pot maybe about 40 to maybe 50 different people. We just gave it to them randomly before we published. And we had to get our feedback, and all of them were saying, wow, this is an amazing book. And the thing about the book here, T, is this book, you can actually give it to anybody. And let me explain. I grew up in a very, very traditional Catholic family, and I always tell my clients, that for those of you who you know are Jewish, you guys invented the guilt. We just perfected it. Um, but <laughs> the thing is, is that with the book, I wanted to make sure that if this book got into – a, a family like myself, um, at least the family that I was raised in, that are just really, really um, strict, strict Catholics. I want them to say, okay, I got a lot of this book. Thank you. I also want to make the intention for a lot of my good, close friends who are Jewish. Um, I want to make sure that if this book ever landed in, into their parents' hands um, or their grandparents' hands, that they would say, this is a really good book. So you know, with that being said, I, I made sure that everybody would be able to receive some form of healing and closure from this book, not just directed at, at, at one sector or another, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And kudos to you because you did that extremely well. And you did it at the very beginning when you tell us the story about your journey, which is quite unbelievably amazing. What a fabulous story. I would like to know if you would mind sharing that with the listeners. Sure. Well, um, going back in 1994, um, well, let me go back just a little bit earlier than that. Um, You know, going back into the 1970s um, when I was a youngster, my brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And so um, he was hearing voices. He was seeing things. um, And the things that he was hearing, the things that he was seeing were definitely not the things that I was seeing as a child. And I was connecting with, with, with spirit at the age of six years of age. So the things that I was connecting with, he wasn't seeing. And I was saying to myself, this really scares me. This really scares me because I thought I was losing my mind. So from the age of six to seven, all the way till my early 20s, every time I saw spirit, I looked the other direction. So if I saw someone in spirit walking down the hallway, I would turn my, my back to them and I'm saying, I don't see you, I don't see you, I don't see you. And I kept on doing that up into my early 20s. The reason why I waited into my early 20s is because I did the research on schizophrenia and you don't get it past 21, 22 years of age. Um, so that was kind of like my... Um, like spirit telling me and also my own intuition telling me, okay, you're not going to get the disease. Because that was a very traumatic thing growing up with my brother who who had that, that yeah. illness. So once I allowed myself, and this is also in the book here with, um, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the book with, with clients here, I put some client stories in there. But, you know, once I allowed myself to open up, um, I started getting all these dreams. I started 
connecting with spirit again. I started to get my intuition back because I was paying attention to my dreams. I was paying attention to my hunches. And that's in a couple of the chapters in the, in the book to help the, 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 the listener, to help the, the reader um, understand how to pay attention to your hunches, how to pay attention to your intuition. So then, you know, you, like me, can go out there and do great work. You know, I'm no different than anybody else. I always tell this to my clients. Just because I'm a medium doesn't mean I'm, I'm any better than anybody else. You know, it doesn't matter whether you are a, um, a taxi cab driver. It doesn't matter if you're a school te- teacher. It doesn't matter if you are a janitor. As long as you do your, your work on this planet, 110% as best as you possibly can. Well, getting back to your question, T, um, I had a dream um, in my early 20s um, that I was working with Mother Teresa, the late Mother Teresa in um, Calcutta, India. And this is going back to 1995 when she was still living. Long story short, but this is actually in the, in the, in the chapters in the book, within three months mm-hmm. I found myself in Calcutta, India working with Mother Teresa. And I worked with her for about a week and a half. I prayed with her. I sat with her. And it's not about the, um, the religious aspect. You know, by that time when I went to India, I wasn't considering myself a Catholic anymore. I still don't to this day. Um, I was raised by Catholic parents. I was raised in a Catholic family, but I don't consider myself a Catholic. Um, I consider myself a spiritualist. So when I had the dream, I'm like, this is really strange. Why am I having this dream to go work with Mother Teresa um, when I'm really not connected to that religion anymore? Well, when I worked with her for that week and a half, here you have this five foot five woman who has this amazing energy, this amazing power. Um, and once I got back from India, everything just flourished. I started giving sittings left and right, and that's how my career started, was coming back from India. And so, you know, with the book, it teaches the 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 viewer viewing audience and teaches the reader how to pay attention to intuition, how to to listen to your um, your hunches, and I think that's what you're referring to about the trip to India, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my gosh, yes, because God bless you, you were able to sit with Mo- with Mother Teresa. I, I, I almost fell off my chair when I was reading your book. I thought this is too amazing. Talk about following your dreams. You literally mm-hmm. did, and it brought you to where you are now, and that was meant. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't necessarily do that, but you, you took the leap. And that's one thing in the book, um, as you read, that anybody can, can follow their, their, their hunches. Anybody mm-hmm. can follow their intuition. You know, there are many times that my um, I'm, I'm at a friend's house, and they are clearly not mediums, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, gosh, I really feel like my wife's mother keeps on standing behind me i'm like and they think that they're losing their mind and they say this is your job i'm like no what do you feel what do you hear what do you sense what do you see and sometimes we'll put some pieces together and then we'll go to that wife and say hey this is what your husband is picking up Um, does this make any sense to you and the wife starts crying she says oh my god how did you know this and so yes you know mediums like myself we have had the gift since since we're a child um but there are so many other people out there on the planet there that have mediumistic abilities, but they also have very strong intuition. But our society um, poo-poos it. Our society says, don't pay attention to your hunches. Don't pay attention to your intuition. Don't pay attention to your dreams. They're just dreams. They're just hunches. They're just you know small things. And that's one thing that I strive for in the book is, no, you pay attention to that. That's what's going to set you free. Yes, we talk about that a lot on this show, that you need to really go within. I mean, this is, you know, Energy Awareness Radio. It's, it's a spirituality-based radio show, and it's all about trying to raise your own consciousness and follow your gut feel so that you will be in alignment, your life will flow more easily, and you'll find that you're doing things that are 
purpose-filled. You'll be fulfilled because you're serving. And as you said a little while ago, a few moments ago, you know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter. It just do it well to the best of your ability. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you are doing in service. And I know people feel like, but I don't do anything. Yes, you do. We all have a piece of the puzzle, and we have to do that piece of the puzzle to make the whole picture, or, mm-hmm. or you know, or the picture isn't going to be complete. So it's interesting that you feel that way. I, it's funny in reading your book. I thought, wow, we talk about this a lot. To follow your gut, to follow your intuition. But I think the best part is you do give a lot of examples of how you came to uh, give readings to people, you know, and and let them know that someone is coming through and bring comfort to them, and you actually see it in their eyes, and then they, they can have a better understanding. But the better part is that there's a guide, there's a, a process that you bring people through so that they can not just get through their own grief, but help others and know what to say to people who are grieving. Because, you know, people, it's not a mistake. I, I don't believe there's really mistakes. I think that when you're at a wake or a funeral and, you know, sometimes people will say things, people have said this to me, oh, well, you know, they're in a better place. Well, you know, okay. That's not what you want to hear, but you understand because people don't know how to handle that part of it. And this is the good part of your book. You explain how, how to go forward with this process and what people are going through so that maybe they can handle it better and say the proper things. And that's why I waited these extra three to four years to really get everything in my mind before I wrote the book because I didn't want to just do, as I mentioned, another book on mediumship. I really wanted to make sure that I did a book that hasn't been done before, really get into the nitty-gritty. And, you know, bottom line here, T, if if a person has lost somebody, whether lost a pet, lost a sibling, lost a parent, lost a friend, without even saying a word, excuse me, you can actually take this book Give it to that person and said, here, I found this book. I think it will help you. If that is if you don't want to talk about death, if it's more uncomfortable for you to bring it up. And, you know, I'm, I don't make that many guarantees, but I guarantee that person will say, I really got a lot out of that book. And, and that was really the intention behind it. You know, going back to um, doing the best thing you can on this planet and doing it well, I remember a client that I was working with. This is about maybe 10, 12 years ago. And it was this Japanese woman. And she sat in front of me, and she was very quiet. She was very, very serene. Her husband came in. It was very, very clear. And we got all this validation. We got his name. We got what he did when he passed. All the great validations. And she says, yes, you know, everything you said has been spot on. And then he came in and spoke a little bit further about the son. And he goes, and I have to tell my son how proud I how proud of him I am, how much I love him, but more importantly, how proud. I'm so proud of the work that he does. And she put her hand up and she goes, now this doesn't make sense. And I said, do you have a son? And she goes, yes. And I said, does this not make sense to you? And she goes, no, it doesn't. I says, why is that? She goes, my son, she goes, all he does is work on cars. And I said, so does that mean he's a mechanic? (laughs) And she said, Yes. And I said, well, we have to listen to what Spirit's saying. This man, his father, is saying how proud that he is an amazing person. And she goes, well, I don't really understand that. He is just a mechanic. And I said, tell me about the work that he does. And she responded, she goes, well, apparently um, they only, people only bring their cars to him because they don't trust anybody else because he only charges <laughs> under, the, under the market value for his work, and, um, and his work is very, very good. And I says, and don't you think that's a wonderful quality? You know, this man is helping people. He keeps his, his, his fees, you know, low to moderate. But more importantly, he's an excellent mechanic. So when that person goes and drops off their car, 
they know that that person is working on the car, that know, they know they're paying a good price, then when they leave there, their vibration is lifted. Their vibration is higher. And mm-hmm. then that person shares that higher vibration with the next person. And that person shares that vibration with the next person. So it's a, it's a huge trickle effect. Once I said this to her, her mouth just dropped and she goes, I never, I never noticed. I never knew. And then she started to cry. And she says, these, cry, these tears are not for my husband. She says, these tears are for me not acknowledging my son all these years. And I said, how old is he? And she says, he's 52. So the thing is, is this is not just a 22-year-old or 20-some-year-old, you mm-hmm. know, young kid. This is a grown man, a grown adult, a 52-year-old man. Um, and the tears were for that she didn't realize that all these years she wasn't giving the respect, the compliments back, and she had to hear it from her late husband who came through. So in sittings, and any valid, any legitimate medium will tell you, you never know what's going to come through in a sitting. There's never any guarantees right. that the person that you want to connect with will come through. There are never any guarantees that you'll hear what you want to hear. Um, sometimes people will come in that were not invited. Sometimes people will come in that were. But every sitting, um, and any valid medium will say this, is that we only sit with spirit and we see who comes in and, and, and who doesn't. If, if, if you, T, or anybody in your listening audience ever goes to a medium and the medium says, who do you want to hear from, I tell my clients, stand up. Walk out the door leave. and run. Leave. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. If that meeting yes. says to you, who are you trying to contact? Stand up, walk out the door, and run. When I do my work, I tell my clients to sit down uh, for the next 45 minutes. Do not say a word. Let spirit come through. Let's see what is mentioned. And at the very end, if you have any questions, um, you know, you can answer them. And that's my process when I do my work. Um, there have been a few clients who have been repeats for many, many years. They initially said in the beginning, they said, we felt like we're on a jury stand, Tim. And I said, well, my, my heart dropped when I heard that. And I said, I don't want you to feel like you're in a jury stand where you can only say yes or no. Um, I want you to understand that we're making contact with spirit. And the less the medium knows, the better. I always tell that to my clients. The less the medium knows, the better. So then if you get the information that comes through, it's not because of the questions that you have asked. And don't you think that when someone comes in and perhaps they're saying, oh, I hope I hear from my whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Aunt Matilda, if they say, you know, when someone else comes through, the person that's coming through is coming through for a reason and is giving them information they need to hear at that point in time in their lives. Exactly. You might not always, um, in, in a sitting, um, you know, get what you want or you know, get what you want from the person, but you always get what you need. And this goes back right. to um, uh, a sitting that I did um, probably about 15 years ago. And I live down here in Southern California, and um, there's an area um, of Southern California called um, Palos Verdes Peninsula. And it's basically an affluent area um, outside of Los Angeles. And um, I had a client that came in from, from Palos Verdes Peninsula, and she sat down and she had a sitting. And she was probably in her mid-60s. And when she sat down, you know, she wanted to hear from her father. And fortunately, he came through. But what she, was, what she got was something that she wasn't expecting. The father came through and said, you know, please give love to your brother and please give love to your sister. And she goes, I don't have a sister. I only have a brother. And she said to me, I know that my father only had me and only had my brother, and that's it. And she goes, and that's the truth. And I said, okay, I believe you, but I also believe spirit. And I said to the ma'am, I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, no offense, 
I says, but I trust spirit more than I trust the client. So I continued with the sitting, and the father was talking about this this daughter that he had besides the one that was in, sitting in front of me, and she got really upset with me. And um, she says, I told you, Tim. I says, yes, but he keeps on talking about that he definitely wants you to get this love across to both of you. Well, she stormed out of the office. Um, she cut the sitting a little short, and uh, she stormed out of the office. I still remember this because she slammed the door. And when she mm. uh, slammed the door, she drove away. And then she called me about two weeks later, crying hysterically on the phone. On the phone. And she goes, do you remember who this is? And I says, yes, I remember you. <laughs> How can I forget? She slammed the door. Forget, um, yeah. <laughs> and she started crying. And she goes, I went and called my, my brother who lives in New York, told him the crap that you were telling me about, you know, this brother and sister crap. And the bro- my brother told me, he said, well, it's about time we tell you, Liz. Um, you know, dad had an affair and we have a half sister. And she says, don't you think I'm old enough now? I'm 67 years of age. When were you planning on telling me? And so the thing is, is that this is something that she wasn't wasn't um, um, wanting to hear. This is something that she wasn't looking forward to. This is something that she didn't expect to hear. And that's what I'm saying is, is that when I do my my work, I always listen to spirit because that woman, in a way, was trying to lead me. She was trying to lead me by saying, I don't have a sister. I only have a brother. And I don't have anybody to lead me. I tell them exactly what I hear. You know, even though that you are the paying member sitting in front of me doing the, you know, doing the work with me, I always tell my clients, I don't work for you. You're paying me, but I'm not working for you. I work (laughs) for spirit. And if they actually come through and they actually say this is what it is, then that's what it is. And that's why I've built up, you know, such a, a reputation about my work because I'm very, very honest. I'm very, very ethical. And, you know, thanks to God, I've gotten four New York Times bestselling authors who jumped on um, on the bandwagon as well to say, yes, Tim, your work is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm really coming from a humble heart by saying that. And I always say, listen, yes, I'm a medium and I do good work, but there's no difference to me versus anybody else out there in your viewing audience that's either an excellent mother or an excellent father or whatever it may be. Just do your job 110% as best you can, and spirit will always take care of you. I agree with that 100%. And I, I too, trust spirit. I, I took this out of the front of the introduction of the show because I wanted to get to talk to you immediately, but I'm a reconnective healing practitioner and a sound therapist, so I play quartz crystal singing bowls specifically for healing purposes with clients and patients. And I had one woman on the table, and I said to her when I was done, oh, I love working on two people at once. And she said, what do you mean? I said, you know, you, the baby. And she goes, what baby? I said, you're a baby. And she said, I'm not pregnant. And I said, oh, my faux pas, so sorry. Two weeks later, she calls me, and she goes, T, I'm pregnant. And I said, I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I got. You know? that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good line there. I, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I didn't know what to say because I was like, yeah, I knew that, but I didn't do it, mm-hmm. you know. It was so funny. I mean, she wasn't. She wasn't thrilled at first, but she got used to it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and did you like how um, in the beginning of the book how I started off with the World Trade Center? You know, I yeah. I have a lot of – being out here in West Coast, I have a lot of clients that are in New York, New Jersey, um, and the Philadelphia area. And um, I actually had a lot of Los Angeles clients um, who actually lost – um, loved ones um, and family members in the 9-11 attacks. And this is going back years ago, and um, a mother and daughter came in, and it was their son, the lady's son and the woman's husband, who actually passed in the World Trade Center. Um, and I wanted to really capture his voice on what I heard, what 
it felt like for him when he was in the plane when that building came down. And that's why um, I started with the first chapter, because I wanted to give that man a voice on, on what it was like for him. You know, um, spirit sometimes doesn't get a good rap. And I always want to make sure that, especially in the book, that I I give them a good rap. I want to make sure that when we do the book and we did it quite well, that people will say, wow, you know, you've really represented spirit in, in a good way. And that was my intention all along. And, you know, that's another thing I always like to mention to my sittings and to my clients is the intention behind it. You know, are you doing something because you want to help somebody or what's the intention behind it? And if you can always right. um, come from what the intention is, you will always be, you know, um, um, on a good path. I still remember, and my parents were excellent parents. They really were. Um, they were too religious, and they still are very too religious, but that's their path. And, you know, I still remember going back as a child, um, you know, hearing my one parent saying, well, we better, um, you know, go to the funeral um, because so-and-so is going to be there. We don't want to, you know, to look bad. And that was the wrong intention. If my parents did not want to yeah. go, they should not have gone. Um, and that's a hard thing because, you know, um, a lot of times people don't listen to their intuition, but they always – do things with a wrong intention. And that's one thing I always like to mention is, you know, what's the intention behind it? When I wrote the book, I said, you know, the intention behind it is to really help and heal. And, you know, um, my manager, Gary, who um, has been such a great support for me all these years, you know, he even told me six years ago, write the book. And I says, no, I says, I have to come from the right intention. And he said, you know, you could, you get the book and they'll be, put you on TV shows, put you on radio shows. I'm like, no, I, I want to really come from the right intention. And then the right intention was really to help people overcome grief. And once I got the intention, you know, and help people find closure, and I put that in the book, everything else followed. Everything else followed. Yes. The TV shows, the radio was, shows, everything else has followed from there. But the intention had to come first. Many times people come from the wrong intention, everything falls apart. Sure, because you're not coming from that space of love. If you're coming from the space of love and being in service, things fall into alignment and things move forward the way that they should. What's interesting is that your parents are, as you mentioned in the book, you know, full-fledged, highly devoted Catholics. I was brought up Catholic as well. How do they feel about what you do now? They don't talk about it. You know, my father passed <laughs> away a few years back, and my mother doesn't talk about I'm it. Sorry. And, you know, that, that's yep. it's really kind of sad because, you know, she knows that I can't really hear – her stories about the church because it just um, it, it just doesn't really connect with me and and of course I can't talk about my mediumship because it doesn't connect with her so you know we just kind of just talk about the grass and talk about the grandkids my mom's grandkids and talk about my siblings and we keep it kind of surface but you know um, people say well gosh you know it's really sad that you know um, your parents were so so difficult, and I said, no, we choose our parents. I chose this mother. I chose That's this right. father in order to be here. And people sometimes will say, well, you must have been drunk on spirit side, Tim, or you must have been on drugs on spirit side. You know, when you picked your parents, I says, nope, I was sober as can be. But this was a lesson that I had to go through. I had to challenge the system, and I had to come from truth. And so, um, exactly. you know, we all choose our we all choose our parents. Um, whether it's good parents right. or not so good parents, but you know every person that comes in front of us is really a teacher for us, you know, and they will keep coming back into your life until you learn the lesson. Have you ever heard from your dad either through through another medium or yourself? I, I haven't heard. Well, 
yes, yes and no. Um, vaguely from another medium, but it was not enough validation for me to really prove any accuracy there. Um, but mm-hmm. I did get a few dreams, which were pretty clear, and it was his way to show that he was supportive of me um, after he passed, meaning that he's working with me in order to help heal people. Um, and that was through two dreams I got years ago, but that's the only communication I've gotten. And don't you feel that when, or do you feel that when people uh, transition, that perhaps they change, that all of the beliefs that we have as human beings changes when we go back to source because we're now at a soul level and we have more compassion and caring, kindness, and less judgment? Um, Not necessarily. When a person passes over, it's very individualistic from person to person. As Master Jesus says, as below, as above. Meaning, if you're going to be a smart aleck and a jokester down on earth plane, you're going to be that on spirit side. You know, if you're going to be a brainiac mm. or very smart on earth plane, you're going to be a, a brainiac and very smart on spirit side. As below, as above. Um, there are sometimes when a person has come through in a sitting um, that they didn't believe in any of this. Um, they were actually quite opposed to it, and they have come through, and mm-hmm. their mouth just opens up. And I said, wow, your mom is her mouth is just dropping opening and she just said, I can't believe I'm doing this. And the, the client have said many times, my mother was, was staunchly against this, you know, um, and that person was coming through trying to show, wow, I was wrong. Um, so yes and no. Yes, when you make your transition, you, you, you take those beliefs with you um, and you hold those beliefs until you realize whether they're, they're true or not true. Okay, because I know, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are psychics and mediums, and I, you know, sometimes people will come through, and one person came through at one point and said, you know, that they were sorry Mm -hmm. for the way that they treated me. And Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting because I thought, yeah, once you get on the other side, you see everything differently, so you must have a much less judgmental. That is true, and that has happened countless times in sittings with me where that person was either the alcoholic or the user, whether mm-hmm. the drug user mm-hmm. or the manipulation user down earth plane. And when they go over spirit side, they are helped by another guide. And that guy will say, see, you hurt this person. And then they will actually say the word, I'm sorry. And I'll tell my clients, I'll say, they had to learn and how to use that word on spirit side because they never knew that word here. So yes, those people will change. But sometimes if a person um, is so engulfed in their own greed, um, when you go over spirit side, you can still stay in that vibration until you realize, okay, this is not the way to go. Most of the time, people want to break out of that, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've said spirit side a couple of times, and we talk about spirit side or the spirit world, or and mm-hmm. people think, you know, they look up at the sky and that's where it's located. To me, I think if we had a, a pair of those glasses that, like you have at the, the 3D theater, if you put a pair of glasses on that would show spirit, this planet is just chock full of spirit. Where do you believe spirit world is? That's a great question. I believe it's just in the astral world. So basically... You know, it's it's near us. It's not above us. It's not below us. It's it's near us. It's right where our heart is. It's right it's right there in front mm-hmm. of us. And as you said with those three D glasses, T, that's perfect. I never heard that before. That's a perfect way to explain it. They're they're with us now. When a person is on a lower vibration, um, you know, 
and you ha- and you're on a higher vibration, sometimes you will feel that. Sometimes you'll walk into a home and you'll say, "Oh, this home or this this place gives me the EBGs." Oh, yeah. And then that person walks out of there and says, "Oh, I don't like it." And the and the the, the house is you know nicely furnished and it's, everything's beautiful and it's a you know million dollar home. And then they do some research and they'll find out it was a murder suicide in the home. So when you're on a on that vibration as you are, as I am, as other people are, and you pay attention to your intuition, you know you're able to feel you'll be able to feel those on spirit side. Some of them, you'll be able to feel the negativities. Um, but my belief is it's there in the astral world. It's kind of like the holding spot until we realize that we need to reincarnate or whether we choose to stay over on spirit side. I believe that we reincarnate in pods or in soul groups. So, you know, in this lifetime, your mother, your father is your mother and father, and your siblings are your siblings. When you pass over, or actually when that pod passes over, we change it up. So the father next time might be the daughter, and your mother might be the son. We change it up in order to learn as many different experiences as possible so we can keep on moving on. A lot of people don't talk about reincarnation. I definitely believe in reincarnation. Well, what if you don't want to? What if you what if you don't want to come back with the family members you had? What about the friends? Could the friends have been a parent or a sibling or a spouse or or you know you have been their parent or something? If, you know, I'll say it to you, yeah, and I'll say it to you because I I know this will really help your your listening audience. When we are on spirit side, T, all of us, you, me, everybody, um, just imagine we're all freshmen in high school on spirit side, and the thing is, is that. On spirit side, we want to go. We want to be a sophomore, junior, senior. We want to keep on growing. We want to keep on evolving. So, if you want to go from freshman year to sophomore year on spirit side, it's going to take you several hundred years to go from freshman year to sophomore year. Meaning, it's going to take time. However, spirit, right. uh, the universe, infinite intelligence is all the same. Gave us a loophole, and that loophole is if you incarnate to Earth or other galaxies or other places. But I'll just say. Earth is, is, is this example since we're here. If you incarnate to Earth and you stay down there for 30, 50, 70 years, work on your stuff, you will go from freshman to sophomore in 70 years. Or if you're like a Mother Teresa, you'll go from freshman year to senior year in 70 years. And that's a huge incentive. And people say, wow, I want to I hop on to that. I want to go to Earth. I want to do this. And yeah, that's why I feel – What's that now? <laughs> Not many people. Not many people can be the Mother Teresa role. <laughs> true, true. Most of us go from freshman year to sophomore year if we right. if we've done have done a good job. But a lot of us um, don't. You know, uh, I believe that you know eighty percent of us when we incarnate to this planet, we choose our mothers. You know, ten percent of us choose difficult and nasty mothers, and then ten percent of us choose our fathers. Um, and people say, well, you know, why wouldn't when why wouldn't somebody want to choose, you know, 80% percentile of a of a good mother? Why would they choose that 10% of choosing a nasty mother? Well, it's extra credit, you know. Instead of going from freshman to sophomore, you go to freshman <laughs> to junior. That is, if you don't become like that nasty mother. However, right. you know, I just saw this on the news just about three weeks ago, where it was a, a mother and son who committed murder together, and it's like, wow. Here, the son chose a nasty yeah. mother, but then he fell victim to her prey. Now, he, when he goes back to spirit side, instead of going to ninth grade, he's going to drop down to fourth grade, and he's going to have to trickle back up again. Oh my God! So okay. the thing is, is that um, when you live a good life and you help people, yes, if you've done a good life, yeah, you go to freshman and sophomore, 
And these, of course, I'm talking in layman's terms for everybody to understand. But yeah. you know what? If you you know do not live that good life and you um, are greedy and you're hurting people and you're stepping on people's toes and you say, who cares? I'm only going to be on this planet for another 20 years. They can deal with it you know, after I'm passing, after I pass. No. When you're going to see that on spirit side and you're going to have to drop down some notches. And then on spirit side, you're going to have to fix it or learn, learn how to fix it. You know, and and let's face it, it's inevitable that at some time in our lives, for almost everybody on the planet, you're going to experience a loss of some kind, a spouse, a child, a parent, friends, pet, whatever it is. And even in a hospice situation, I do a lot of hospice work, we are not prepared for it. We think we are, but we are not. We are, we're completely grief and we're horrified, we're shocked, we're shaken to our core, we can become depressed, downtrodden, and it's all justifiable. And mm-hmm. it can sometimes and perhaps most times make us question our very own existence. So some may even, you know, they allow it to crush their entire spirit for years. This is a difficult time, and no one can put a time limit on grieving or how a person grieves or, mm-hmm. or the, the length or the process. How can people move through their grief? I don't want to say quickly, but I want to say so that they can live more fully and thrive once again because sometimes it's just too much. The person is so much overwhelmed that they they cannot handle it. And, yes, a lot of times they should be seeking professional help, but if they don't want to because they're thinking, I'm fine, this is the process, it may not be for them, and they don't want to hear, you know, that you need to seek professional help other than giving them your book, which I think is excellent to to show them the process and help them go through that. Are there any tips you can give them to start as to how they can just move a little bit forward so that they can try to see that life is meant for the living and that you need to move forward? That's what your loved ones would want, correct? That is correct. And to answer that, I'll answer that in a couple of sections. The first section, I know this sounds like a cliche, but you know, take one day at a time. And we always hear that, take one day at a time. Mm-hmm. What that means is this is how I feel today. I am angry today. I am angry that my son committed suicide. I cannot stand it. I want to go over in spirit side and wring his frickin' neck. You stick with that anger for the day. Tomorrow you might wake up and you might be grieving. You might be saying, gosh, I'm so sorry that I never gave him that car he asked for. I'm so sorry I didn't return his phone calls. You know, And you stay with each feeling each day, and you only take that day as it comes. You never talk about tomorrow. You never talk about what's going to be next week because each person with their grief is on their own path. And as I would like to say, part two is it's getting used to the new norm, or in better English, getting used to the new normal. The new normal is this person's not here with us anymore. Anymore, that's the new normal. You know, um, the 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 past was when that person was was here, and it was a great time, and we had that connection. The new normal is that that person is no longer here, and to accept that, saying, okay, this person is not here anymore, and we just have to accept the new, the new normal. We have to accept that. And if a client can or a person can accept the new normal and say, okay, this is where it is right now, then we can start learning to heal, because it takes us down to the foundation. We have to surrender. And the thing is, is that when a person surrenders and they say, okay, you know what, I need to heal. I now need to work through this. Then they can start working through it. But until they surrender, um, a person will stay stuck. And sometimes a person will automatically become a a workaholic. Uh, Sometimes a person won't deal with those emotions. And all of a sudden, 10 years later, five years later, it creeps up to them and they're um, a basket case. So, you know, it's really taking it each day, one day at a time. That would be one of the best 
suggestions that I can give you. You know, yes, I'm a medium. Yes, I've done over 14,000 individual sittings in my lifetime. And yes, I um, will tell you, death affects me too. I just lost a very, very close friend to pancreatic cancer three weeks ago. And I was I'm with so her sorry. for the last two years. So, you know, um, and it took it took two weeks before I had a dream about her, you know, and I'm the medium. You think I would have a dream the next day. I didn't. But I finally had um, a dream just a few nights ago. And when I woke up in the morning, I said, oh, thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for the dream. I heard you. And that's one thing is that if you can tell your clients or you can tell your audience, whenever you get a dream from spirit, whenever you get that intuition Always say thank you because that tells that divine intelligence, spirit, God, it's all the same. Oh, wow, I heard you. Give me some more. And when you can start saying thank you, then you tap into higher energies of spirit. But, yeah, um, for me, losing my, my very close friend, you know, the first few days I was still – I was numb. And you think that I wouldn't be numb. I was totally numb. Totally numb. I'm like, I'm not going to see her anymore in the physical. I have to wait until I cross over. And even though I know that I'll see her when I cross over years from now, it still didn't really make it that much easier because I still wanted her now. So, you know, now yeah. fast forward two, two and a half weeks, three weeks now, okay, I'm still sad about it, but I'm so grateful that I got that dream. So, you know, everybody's on their own different path, and we just have to accept them on their path as, as they are. Well, your book offers a, a great uh, a roadmap and a process to go through in order to help people with it. It's the second portion of the book, and I think it's something that, you know, rather than going reading the entire book to people, it's something that if you picked up this book, it would definitely help people get through the process. One of the things that I think is really high profile, if I can use that expression, is that people – there's a certain amount of, and it's very high on the list, guilt that comes with this. When I'm in a hospice situation, let's face it, you're sitting around a room and this person, everyone knows this person is going to transition. We all know that in the room. The minute the person transitions, though, people are horrified and the guilt sets in. Mm-hmm. And it's don't, they feel guilty because there's a sense of relief that the person transited. And I'm thinking, okay, don't, I'll say to people, don't feel guilty that you feel good that they're gone because it's not that you're feeling good that they're gone. You're feeling good that they're not suffering anymore. There's a big mm-hmm. difference between the two, huge mm-hmm. difference between the two. But there is a certain amount of guilt, even, even if it's a shock death versus a hospice situation, you know, a, a traumatic accident or a sudden death, there's guilt. People feel guilty. And I think that's a mm-hmm. harder part of the grief process. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes people hold on to their grief. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's why I put that in Chapter 5 in my book. I have a, mm-hmm. a parent who um, came in about a year ago, and she's been a longtime client of mine for about 12 years. And um, she, her son, who um, was a heroin um, user, um, he died. He finally had his overdose and died. And when I say finally had his overdose and, and died, in the, in the course of our sittings, you know, it came through that Spear was trying to help him as, as much as they could because of his drug addiction. And then when he finally transitioned, she said to me, she goes, I really feel guilty that I'm feeling this because she goes, I know he's in a better place. You know, now our family can start to heal. He was tearing our family apart. And she says, I feel so bad even saying this that I'm glad that he's over on spirit side. And I says, no. I said, I stopped her right there and I said, we have to keep on sending love to him and you can't feel guilty for this because you know, I know he's in a better space. But more importantly, 
if he was going to stay, this family would have been torn apart. And she goes, absolutely. Now we are all able to start healing. And so I helped her through mm-hmm. her guilt with that real, and helping her realize is that these feelings that she felt um, were, were okay. Um, and I even went one step further with her and, um, and I said, do you mind if I go on a little bit longer in the session and go a little bit deeper? And she goes, yeah, sure. And I said, spirit was it was coming through and it basically it was not her father it was her stepfather who she was, she was very very close to i said you know your stepfather's coming through here he has a, a leg missing and she goes yeah that was my stepfather and the man was telling me t from spirit he says you tell peggy that when <laughs> both boys were 1 and 3 years of age when she had that feeling that that 1 year old was going to die tragically you tell her that she did not manifest his death all these years. It was loving spirit giving her a heads up that this is going to happen. And I said this to her, and she says, Tim, she goes, that's unbelievable. She said, when the boys were one and three, she said, I always thought that this, the youngest one was going to be killed or murdered or drowned. And it was going to be because it, it was on my watch. But she says, I always thought it was going to be when he was in his teens. And she says, and when he, you know, lived past his teens, she goes, oh, good, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good to go. That fear that I had when he was one years of age is not going to come up. Well, he died when he was 27 years of age. So what Spirit was coming through and saying to her, you did not manifest your son's passing. Spirit infinite intelligence, God, as I mentioned, all the same, was giving her a heads up and saying, hey, listen, this one right here is going to pass. And I told her, I said, now you know that his death was predestined. He had to come to this planet in order to go through these lessons, in order to learn this. And it was a huge, huge breakthrough for this, through this mother um, and for this mother. And so, you know, in sessions and sittings, you never know what's going to come through. Never. Okay, two things. The first one is, in your book, and I love this, and I want to read this, you, under guilt and shame. Shame is remorse about the kind of person we are, and in short, guilt is the feeling that we made a mistake. Shame is the feeling that we are a mistake. You put that mm-hmm. so well, because I think with the people, when there is guilt, it is remorse about the, they feel like they did something wrong, and like she mm-hmm. felt, she, she may have felt all those years that she manifested that when in fact she did not. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to you know, put that in the book there for other clients and even people out in the public that will never, ever go to a medium, a person that is extremely religious like my parents or even extremely um, um, devout like my friend's parents who are very Jewish. Um, I want to make this book where a person could read it and they won't have to tell anybody that they read it. They don't have to say, I right. read this book about a medium, because then that congregation is going to say, you read a book about a medium? Are you crazy? I wrote this book so that when a person in that congregation or in that community or in that society who doesn't have that support system, they can read this book and they can get you know, quotes like that that will help them heal when they won't have to tell anybody. And a lot of people in, in, in life really do need to see a, a therapist after a person's passed, whether um, whether it's a son or um, a, a parent. It doesn't matter. Um, some don't, um, but some do. But the some that do, they, they will not reach out for a therapist because it shows signs of weakness. And they've always right. been the strong parent or they've always been the strong person. So they won't seek out a therapist because that instantly shows weakness. And I took that into consideration when I wrote this book. And I'm saying, 
when I, as I wrote in the book, I, I said I want to make sure that those people will receive that healing even if they don't even seek out a therapist, which chances are they won't. And that's why I made this book so yeah. different than any other book on the shelf, just to really, as I said, the intention is to really to kind of have this pocketbook of healing where you can go to any chapter and say, okay, what do I need to, what do I need to listen to today? What do I need to work on today? And you did do that. Like I said, you did it very succinctly, very well, very eloquently, and I think it would be a great book for uh, for anyone to read, even if you're not going through the grieving process, but to help you to help those who are. The other thing I wanted to mention or ask you is that I believe, and I wonder if you agree, that all deaths are predestined. All. Um, I disagree. Okay. Why? I disagree. Um, I feel that some are. Is the example I just mentioned with my friend um, and client Peggy, who lost her son. Um, I know that that is predestined, but sometimes sometimes bad things happen. And when I say sometimes bad things happen, you know, sometimes a person because um, we have free will, you know, and you know, yep. my neighbor next door, he can have free will. He can be the total perfect great neighbor, and he might just have a bad experience on some drugs that he just took. Um, but he's never taken before, and he just goes crazy, and he takes a, a machete, and he goes in my home, and he kills my whole family. Um, is that predestined? I don't think so. I feel that that's a, a poor mistake um, on a person that went through experience of drugs, and that is not predestined, at least as an example. Um, so not, in my opinion, not all deaths are predestined. Sometimes bad things really happen to really good people. And when that good person goes over to spirit side, you know, there's now a karmic tie to that person who murdered them. So the next lifetime, that person has to make it up or or, or whatnot. But that's a whole nother, another um, chapter. That's a whole other conversation through another radio show with you and I. But the thing is, is that my personal opinion. That's a whole other book. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other book. Some are T and some aren't. And okay. sometimes going to a medium, right. we'll never, and we'll never know. That. What's that now? Right. Well, well, we won't know until we get there. We won't know until we get there. Right. Sometimes in sittings, um, I will be able to tell the client this was predestined or this was definitely not predestined. Sometimes I'm not able to tell, and sometimes a person will say, was this predestined? And I'll say, I don't know. And one thing that my clients will always get for, with me, and I still do my, my private sessions um, in Costa Mesa, and I do phone sittings with people all all over the world. And sometimes people will say, you know, was this pre predestined? And sometimes I'll have to say, I haven't heard yet. And the clients say, well, you know, can, can do you think it was predestined? And they're trying to lead me. I'm like, I don't know. When we do sittings, <laughs> it's all about getting the validation. It's all about getting as much validation as possible. But right. I have to be as honest as possible and as specific as possible because if I say to the client, oh, yes, it was predestined or it wasn't predestined, and that woman goes off and lives her life, then when I pass over, then I have a, a heavy karmic tie um, of lying, of, 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 of doing something that was inappropriate or lying or deceitful, and that's not worth it. I'm not going to, you know, screw up my right. karmic path in order to, you know, um, um, lie or uh, say something to someone just to make them feel better. And that's understandable, certainly. Uh, it, but, you know, if it's a belief and it's something that you just believe, and this will be another show because I, I have reason to believe that all are predestined, but that's just me. We'll have to talk about this another time. <laughs> and we will. I'd love to have you back. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll have you. I mean, I'll, I'll come back anytime. I'd love to, to do another show whenever whenever you wish. 
I have one last question. We haven't talked about this person, and he, he is mentioned in your book, but when you were a child, you had an imaginary friend named Joey. And mm-hmm. you told Joey, you know, okay, I can't play with you anymore. And Joey never came back after that. Have you ever heard from Joey? Have not, no. Since that time. And no? um you know, and uh I'll I'll just go a little bit um in depth on that one. You know, I um during my crazy upbringing there with my brother who was schizophrenic, I would go out on the swing set in the back and that was my friend Joey. We would swing together and we'd play together and when my brother was smashing my mom used to have canning jars and when my brother would smash the jars because all his voices were talking to him and telling him to do it, I would just go in the backyard and I would swing and I would play with Joey and then um my mom said to me one time she goes, who are you talking to out there? And I says, Joey. And she goes, Joey who? And I says, Joey, the boy next to me. And she goes, you don't, you don't, you only swing by yourself. There's nobody, there's no boy with you. Um, and once that happened, he went away. Shortly after that, he went away. I never saw him any, anymore. Mm. And so, um, you know, we as human beings on this planet, we have connection with spirit all the time. And if we connect with them by sending our love to them, our prayers to them, whether you go to a medium or not, they hear you. They hear you. But yes. I feel that Joey was there for me just during that difficult time because shortly after him leaving, my brother um, left. He, they, they found him a home um, that he was institutionalized in. So, you know, he was there, Joey, that is, to provide comfort and help for me and to me during a difficult time and and I'm no different than anybody else sometimes people will actually you know be there uh, on spirit side helping us and being there for us um, through difficult times you know sometimes when a person's going through a breast cancer or going through some type of horrendous um, um, illness and they start getting dreams of their grandmother that they haven't had dreams of for over 20 years that grandmother will come near them to give them comfort to help them through the difficult time and then once that is over, yeah. um, what, um, that, whether that goes into remission or um, that health gets better, then more importantly, um, then that person's spirit side goes back and does their own thing. And I think, too, if you're really aware, I'm very aware of, of when I'm calling in people to help me with things, and sometimes it just happens and the awareness hits. You didn't call anybody in. I remember driving on a highway in Massachusetts, driving very, very fast. And I was not in a good space. And my grandmother was sitting right beside me in spirit and talking to me. And I knew she was there talking to me. And I immediately started to slow down the car and started mm-hmm. to, you know, drive properly so that I wouldn't get a ticket. And probably 10 miles later, I drove by, I made it into Connecticut and drove by a state trooper in Connecticut. And they'll pull you over and give you a ticket for nothing. So, you know, that really worked out well for me. But I knew, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew, I knew that my grandmother was there. I just knew it. I felt it. And I did what she was telling me to do. So it's raising your awareness so that you know, too. Mm-hmm. And you and myself are no different than anybody else out there. We just need to pay attention right. to the dreams. We need to pay attention to the signs, the signals that that are around us. And when we start paying attention to them and listening to them, then that's like a muscle that gets strengthened and it gets stronger and stronger. Um, and once it gets stronger and stronger, then you're having that connection with them quite often. 
Yes, I have a friend in New York. Her name is Lisa Kay. She's a psychic medium, and she is always saying it's like a muscle. If you just flex that muscle, it just like going to the gym, anyone can do this type of work. And I agree with that, but you have to flex it a lot in order to do it at the level that you're doing it or that anyone else is doing it who is a professional, I'll say, psychic or medium, because I'm certainly not a professional psychic or medium, but I know I get information, and when I get it, I know I have to deliver it. So it's really interesting to see that in life and know that, you know, yeah, once you validate that you, you can do this, if that's the proper phraseology, your awareness goes up, your vibration goes up, and you seem to get more. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my clients, um, they say, well, how can I do this on my own? And how can I, you know, um, become more mediumistic on my own? Do you teach classes? And I say, I don't teach classes yet. Um, I just love doing my individual sittings and my groups, and that's why I keep on doing. But I say, well, in the meantime, until I teach classes, I say to them, when, you know, your child or your husband or your parent is talking to you or anybody else, do you listen? Do you listen to every single word or do you hear half their sentence and then interrupt them? Because if you want to be a good medium, you have to be a good listener for spirit. And when you mm-hmm. are a good listener, you're listening to every single thing that's coming through. Most of us, we are hearing a person speak and we already know what we're going to say even halfway through them speaking to us, and then we'll interrupt them. And we'll say, yeah, but, yeah, but. And then when we yeah, right. but them, it's because we're not listening. And if you can actually listen to each person um, that is around you, whether it's a parking attendant or whether it's a supermarket checkout girl or whatever it is, and listen to every single word, then we can start listening to our thoughts and we can start li- listening more clearly to our intuition. And if you get the book, Life and Death, A Medium's Messages to Help You Overcome Grief and Find Closure, you'll find that. But you'll also find in, I believe it was Chapter 5 and 6, a couple of chapters that tell you how to get into this mode yourself so that you will be able to be more aware and get those signs and hear them and and see them and actually into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's much better. So. I cannot believe we're almost out of time, Tim, but before we go, please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Life and Death. Sure. You can go to any local bookstore and order it, um, and um, or you can actually go to Amazon, um, and you can order it through Amazon. Um, my website is timbron.net. Um, and um, if anybody's listening wants to write me an email and let me know some feedback or um, say hello, I would love to hear from you. Um, and I will personally um, email you back and respond back to you. Um, so send me an email, but it's timbron.net, and the book is Life and Death, and you can pick it up at ebookstore or at Amazon. I have one final question from someone in my chat room, and this is a very good question. I wish I thought of it, and and thank you, Wildflower Wind, for sending it through. They're asking, are schizophrenics just hearing spirit, and we're kind of labeling them? Some yes and some no. Mm -hmm. Some yes and some no. Okay. Yeah, there's a a very fine line between – um, genius and insanity, and by no way am I saying I'm genius. But I'm telling you, some days there's that fine line. And I think I'm going a little crazy because the thoughts that I'm hearing. But then when I do the work and I'm working with clients, I'm like, okay, thank God I'm not going crazy because they're understanding all of this. But there's a fine line there, and with people who suffer from schizophrenia, there's also a fine line there. Those who really are connecting with spirit versus those who are just mentally ill. Okay. 
All right, that was a good answer. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for taking time to be here. I know this has been so eye-opening and comforting for many of our listeners, and I just thank you so much, very much for joining us here on Energy Awareness Radio. And I, I, I really urge everyone to go and look up the book, Life and Death, A Medium's Messages to Help You Overcome Grief and Find Closure by Mr. Tim Braun. And get this book, if not for yourself, but for other people. You know, And it will teach you a lot about how to help those who are grieving, and it will help you to get through your grieving process as well. So thank you, Tim, so very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, T, for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're quite welcome. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T-Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my Quartz Crystal Singing Bowl Healing Concerts and Labyrinth Walks. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Happy Hanukkah for all of those of you who are celebrating. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>